Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 32 called An Invitation to Intercession. In the book of Jonah, which is a little bit more to your right, um, Jonah famously is called to preach to Nineveh, that great city, the capital of uh, Assyria. And he's given a message and The message is to call upon the people to repent. This is how it reads, Jonah 3, verse 4. Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed or overthrown. Jonah 3, 5. The people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, Jonah 3, 6, he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. And he issued a proclamation, and it said, in Nineveh, by the decree of the king and of his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, or flock taste a thing. Do not let them eat or drink water. But both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth. That's a a garment of mourning or repentance. Let man call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that that we shall not perish. And when God saw their deeds, that is their fruits of repentance, if you will, that they turned from their wicked way, God relented. Some uh, versions might say repented concerning the calamity which he declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Now, once again, the only reason that God sent Jonah to Nineveh was to get them to repent. Amen? Otherwise, if his plan is just to destroy this group of people, there's no need to send a prophet, no need to send a preacher. But we know God's heart is full of mercy and compassion. Amen? He's compassionate for our country, even as bad as things have got here. As crazy as it is, he has compassion. He has compassion for countries that we might not even think twice about. Some of the great moves of God in our day and age are in countries that we might not even imagine. There's a major move of God in Iran right now, we're being told by missionaries. A major move of God in China right now. And it's in places where it's difficult to be a Christian where God is really moving and the church is exploding. That should say something to us. Here's a couple of scriptures to write down. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has said, and will he not do it? He has spoken, and will he not, not make good? 1 Samuel 15, 29 says, and also the glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind. For he's not a man that he should change his mind, 1 Samuel 15, 29. So what is going on here theologically? Well, one must make a distinction between something interesting called conditional declarations and God making unconditional determinations. This is a key to think about. The difference between conditional declarations of God and unconditional determinations of God. That is, God uh, said that he would have a 
one of David's uh, kin or uh, from his body sit on his throne. That was an unconditional promise. Yet at the same time, there are some things that he says conditionally, like if you do this, then this will happen. Now, it's not like God doesn't know the outcome, but he still lays it before the people. Let me show you a key passage to kind of work through this. It's in the book of Jeremiah 18. So it's a little bit back in your Bible. Just wrestling with some of the theological implications here. Uh, Jeremiah 18 is a good place to park and consider what it says here. So Jeremiah 18 verse 7 reads this way. At one moment I might speak concerning a nation, Jeremiah 18 7, or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring on it. At another moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build it up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, 10, then I will think better of the good which, with which I had promised to bless it. So then now speak to the men of Judah and against the inhabitants of Jerusalem and say, saying, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm fashioning calamity against you and devising a plan against you. Oh, turn back each of you from his evil way and reform your ways and your deeds. But they will say it is hopeless. For we are going to follow our own plans. Each of us will act according to the stubbornness, there it is, of his evil heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord, ask now among the nations, who ever heard the like of this? The virgin of Israel has done a most appalling thing. Does the snow of Lebanon forsake the rock of the open country? Or is the cold flowing water from a foreign land ever snatched away? For my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless gods. They have stumbled from their ways from the ancient past to walk in bypaths, not on a highway, to make their land a desolation, an object of perpetual hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and shake his head. Like an east wind, I will scatter them before the enemy. I will show them my back and not my face in the day of their calamity. Then they said, come, let us devise plans against Jeremiah. See, they wouldn't listen. Surely the law is not going to be lost to the priest nor counsel to the sage nor the divine word to the prophet. Come on, let us strike at him with our tongue. Let us give no heed to any of his words. Jesus, when he cried out to Jerusalem, said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you together. Your children together as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not. Brothers and sisters, wherever you lie on the theological spectrum, man has a choice, a real choice. And if we heed the voice of God, God is merciful. God will give us many opportunities to repent. Back to the book of Exodus, and we'll wind down for tonight. But he does call upon us to make a decision and here Moses is interceding, representing the people. That's something we need to see. Moses would not leave God alone. God said, let me alone, I'll destroy them. And Moses would not leave him alone. One writer asked the question, will we? Will we throw up our hands on our generation? 
Will we leave God alone and no longer beat the gates of heaven for the people that we love and the nation that we've been blessed to live in? So let's look at Moses's prayer. Moses 11 of Exodus 32 entreated the Lord. That means he basically begged or prayed the Lord, his God. And he said, oh, Lord, why doth thine anger burn against thy people? Why does your anger burn against your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Now, the Lord knows what he did for Israel But Moses' first prayer is, you demonstrated so much power, so much glory in the 10 plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the drowning of the Egyptian army. Why, after all that show of power, will you destroy the people? That's going to kind of ruin the retelling of this story, don't you think? Now remember, Moses' main concern is what? God's glory. He doesn't want this story to be told in a different way. So he says, Lord, You did so many good things, so many beautiful, powerful things in Exodus 32, 32, just to show you the heart of Moses. Moses will pray this prayer. Now, if you will forgive their sin, verse 32, and if not, please blot me out from your book, which you have written. If you won't forgive them, this is how far Moses is willing to go then write my name out of your book of life. In Romans 9, Paul prayed a similar prayer. He said, basically, I would that I be accursed from Christ for the sake of my brethren. I had a friend that preached on that passage, and he said that Paul's salvation wasn't his to give away for the salvation of somebody else. But it shows you the heart of Paul. From religious persecutor Saul to a heart like Jesus. Moses spending all that time in the burning glory of God, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, full of mercy. And what happened to Moses? He was like his God, full of compassion, full of mercy. And when we walk with Jesus, what happens to us? Sometimes we surprise ourselves. <laughs> what would normally come out of my mouth in a given situation sometimes is completely different. I'm like, where did that come from? Well, we know, right? It's the Holy Spirit living in us. Uh, Samuel, one of the great leaders of Israel, said, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, 1 Samuel 12, 23. Elijah and Elisha were intercessors. Uh, Moses, Daniel, Nehemiah pray incredible prayers of intercession in Daniel 9 and Nehemiah 9 and on and on it goes. I, I would say that every great man or woman of God has been an intercessor. Amen? And even from the cross, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's an intercessor. Amen? If we want to see things change, there's some key insights right here. Verse 12 says, why should the Egyptians speak prayer number two, request or even question number two, saying with evil intent he brought them out to kill them in the mountains, kind of like they would gloat in their conversations, maybe over a cup of coffee. Yeah, he led them out, but he killed them all up in the mountain to destroy them from the face of the earth. And then an actual prayer request, turn from your burning anger, change your mind. Notice the first one to mention the change of mind is Moses, not God. Change your mind, don't harm the people. 
Why should the Egyptians conclude that you rescued them only to destroy them all? That, that, that's not going to glorify you, Lord. Please turn from your wrath. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can watch Pastor Michael's teachings in their entirety. 19 chapters later! You're off the hook. We know sometimes you hear Pastor Michael mention slides, and we have made sure you have access to all the videos from his Sunday teachings. The modern application could be the power of the sword with, for example, a police officer. Watching the videos can also be a good way to see how animated Pastor Michael can be on stage. Even if you have to gulp after you've prayed it. And Lord, one more thing, not my will. You can watch the video from today's teaching when you visit walkintruth.com. We also live stream one of our Sunday morning services. Pastor Michael prefers you attend your church Sunday mornings or visit our church, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, as fellowship is important. But you are invited to watch the 1030 a.m. Pacific Time service anytime. Jesus is coming again. Do you believe it? To watch Pastor Michael's teachings and to follow our YouTube channel for live streams, you can find the links and information on walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Samuel, one of the great leaders of Israel, said, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, 1 Samuel 12, 23. Elijah and Elisha were intercessors. Uh, Moses, Daniel, Nehemiah pray incredible prayers of intercession in Daniel 9 and Nehemiah 9, and on and on it goes. I, I would say that every great man or woman of God has been an intercessor. Amen? And even from the cross... Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's an intercessor. Amen? If we want to see things change, there's some key insights right here. Verse 12 says, why should the Egyptians speak prayer number two request or even question number two saying with evil intent he brought them out to kill them in the mountains kind of like they would gloat in their conversations maybe over a cup of coffee yeah he led them out but he killed them all up in the mountain to destroy them from the face of the earth and then an actual prayer request turn from your burning anger change your mind notice the first one to mention the change of mind is Moses not God change your mind don't harm the people why should the Egyptians conclude that you rescued them only to destroy them all? That, that, that's not going to glorify you, Lord. Please turn from your wrath. And then finally, prayer request number three. Remember Abraham. Remember Isaac. Remember Israel. Your servants to whom you swore by yourself, can she, since you could swear by no one higher. And you said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and all this land of which I have spoken, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. Oh Lord, remember your covenant. I know they've broken the covenant at the bottom of the mountain, but you remember your covenant. Does God need to be reminded about what covenant he made? <laughs> no. But oftentimes when we pray, 
It reminds us of who God is when we pray a promise back to him. He doesn't need to be reminded, but we need to be reminded. And it does show Moses' faith. Abraham, who also interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, when he was talking to the Lord, he said, far be it from you to do such a thing to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Genesis eighteen twenty five. God does not need to be reminded of what's right and wrong. He knows what's right and wrong. He also knows when it's time to judge and when it's time to say, look, I'm going to provide a way of escape, but I am asking you to take it. Moses makes no excuses for their sin. He doesn't say, oh, the people are freshly out of Egypt. That's why they don't know any better. He doesn't make excuses for any of it. He simply just appeals to God's mercy. And so the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. Psalm 106 verse 23 puts it this way. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. But that's exactly what God planned. He chose Moses to be the mediator. And God looks down at a broken, sinful world about 2,000 years ago, and the ultimate mediator comes down on a rescue mission. And he's not coming down to a friendly world that's going to be super excited to embrace him, especially in the halls of the temple. Amen? He's going to be rejected by his own people. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. And so Jesus, the greater Moses, comes down on a rescue mission. The Hebrew word in our verse is nakam, which has the idea of relenting or changing the mind. And uh, there's an interesting little section here by John McKay that might help us round it out. This is uh, in Riken's commentary, and he says, the Hebrew verb used, uh, nakam, usually translated as relent or repent or changing one's mind, does not always mean to change one's mind, but can also mean to be moved to pity, to have compassion for others. This is precisely what God had for Israel, compassion for their sinful rebellion. It is not, writes John McKay, that God is being forced to adopt a new course of conduct because of some flawed decision of the past or because of some unforeseen circumstance that has arisen. He knew the golden calf was coming, etc. It was the Lord himself who had opened the way for the threat against his people to be removed by the appropriate action of the covenant mediator, namely Moses. And God knew exactly what he was going to get when he made us, when he made the world. Some people say, why did God even bother if he knew we were going to fall into sin? Why do you bother doing anything with anybody? You know what you're going to get when you plan on having children, do you not? I hope so. (laughs) You're going to get wonderful, many many wonderful blessings, but you're going to get also many trials because your kids are little sinners. It's true. But then it's true that all of us are little sinners, are we not? We all know our hearts pretty well. And had God made a determination based upon what he was going to get from us, ain't none of us ever going to be here. 
None of you would ever have existed. I would have never existed. God would have never taken the opportunity. But he knew we would fall. He knew what would happen in the garden. And he had a plan all along. In in fact, from the foundation before the world was ever made, Jesus was crucified. God knew. God is not caught by surprise. A golden calf, I can't believe it. Moses may have been, God was not. God knew what he was getting with us. He provided a way for us to be saved by his mercy because he's good. Amen? And the gospel is good news for sinful people like you and me. And Jesus came down on a rescue mission because God is merciful. And one day God will remove the stain of this sinful world and our own struggles. And by divine decree, we will be free. Right now we battle many, many things. But I I hope you see the gospel picture in the story because the gospel picture is that the ultimate Moses came down. Go down. I will go down. I will intercede, Father, for them. I will pay their ransom price for all their golden calves, all their sins. I will pay the ransom. And because of that, one day we will experience the full realization of that great salvation. Lord, we have it now. Thank you. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the promise guaranteeing our future. The guarantee is the Holy Spirit um, in us right now. Thank you for what Jesus did at the cross on the mountain, the mountain of mercy. Thank you that you came down on that rescue mission, Lord. You went down and you encountered a world with many golden calves even in places where we might not expect them. They, many people worshiping gods, goddesses in the Roman, Greek and Roman pantheons, and even in Israel, many false gods, gods of greed and money and even gods of religion that don't save. And yet, you came to your own because you love us. You're the, the greatest mediator of all, greater than Moses, greater than the prophets. You are God. See, if we really want to understand this picture, we have to understand that Moses represents God. Jesus is God, and the heart of God is one of love. Thank you that you so loved this broken, fallen world that you gave. You gave yourself, Lord. And we want to take a moment just to celebrate that beautiful reality. And, and it's who we are. It's, uh, it's the message we represent, Lord. It's a message of hope. It's a mes- message of redemption. A message of a God who loves even those who rebel against him. A God who poured out his wrath on his son instead of us. We're so grateful for that message. Just take a moment to let the word of God sink down into your soul. A little Selah moment here. And of course, if you, you've not met Jesus, and I know this room is filled with believers, but this would be a great time to get to know him, trust in him for your salvation. Come into the kingdom, trust the king, trust his sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection. You don't have to have perfect words, but pray, ask him to save you. 
prodigal. You've been wandering. Maybe you have made a golden calf or two lately. (laughs) Repent of that sin and come back home. Your mediator is here for you and he loves you. And then, Father, for this precious congregation, help us continue to be busy about your business in this generation. We love you. We praise you. In Christ's name, all God's people said. You've been listening to An Invitation to Intercession, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 32, 7-14. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we would love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with a question that you might have had on the teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Maybe you would like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Once more, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month. Or you can always give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 32, 30-35, called Blot Me Out from Your Book. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.